you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go with Gone with the Bushes. We have been on summer hiatus. Oh, we were on that summer break. Is it possible the last time we did a podcast was June 8th? Oh, you know, yeah, because you were at the beach, then I left, then we, then were, at we the were at the beach, then you went back to the beach. True. So, yeah. yeah. It's well, been a minute. Well, welcome back, listeners. Ooh, the summer. I just want to apologize if you hear a fan. This is Southern California. It is triple digit season. It is. And I want to let the listeners know that we have our friends Mac and Chan with us. So if you hear a loud barking, it is our young men trying to be part of the podcast. Oh, the gentleman callers. The gentlemen. And may I say. You may. Happy birthday to your brother. Yes, happy birthday. He does not listen to this show, but nonetheless. that's, That's sad. So. Truth be told, we can talk about yeah. it. Yeah. He's that. I mean, say whatever you want. I can say what I got him for his birthday. Oh, you can? Because I won't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm i going to say. Well, hopefully they arrive. Who knows? You know, the United States Postal Service and whatnot. I have full faith in them, but, you know, crazy things have known to happen. I got him and? two pairs of stance socks. Oh, those are good. Uh-huh. And I told him that I went out of the box for one of his gifts this year. Uh-oh. I went completely out of the box. I don't know if he's going to enjoy it, but I got him PlayStation 4 game FIFA 2018. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. The kids Always- really enjoy FIFA. It's a fun game, and I think that both he and Teeny could play it. Uh, yeah. Wasn't she a soccer player? <sighs> I, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, but he, they, he just got really into um, the World Cup, so I, I thought maybe he would enjoy it. I think that's an excellent idea. Yes. Okay. Well, back to business. Back to the business at hand. This week was Aaron's week to choose. And remember, when we left off, we had no idea what it would be. And she threw us a curveball because she was going with one film and selected another. And then I said, it's the summertime. I need me some Paul Newman. Oh, my God. That was such a good choice. I was like, it has been a minute since I've seen me some Paul Newman. And you know what, Ma? I'm going to go out on a limb here. And just say it, I think that Paul Newman is the favorite actor of the Gone with the Bushes podcast. What? Uh, is there a more perfect male specimen? I don't know. But that's why I zig- I was like, you know what? She was like, oh, we're going to do this movie. And I was like, hold on, hold on. No, no. We need some Paul Newman up in here. Yeah, we did. So, this week, 1961's. The Hustler. The Hustler. Direct, should I go into the particulars? Do your do your thing. Let's go into the particulars. Directed by Robert Rossin. 
he also directed All the King's Men, Alexander the Great, and Lilith. Screenplay by Robert Rawson and Sidney Carroll. He is a pretty well-known TV writer. He also wrote Big Hand for the Little Lady. Based on the novel The Hustler by Walter Tevis. He also wrote The Color of Money the man and the man who fell to earth. Starry. One. Paul. Leonard. Newman. You may know him from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Cool Hand Luke. The Sting. Yeah. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Which we will be doing. We're going to be doing all of those movies. Yes, we will. And HUD. HUD as well. Also, The Color of Money. Yeah. Which maybe, I mean. The Verdict. The Verdict. We're, believe me, people, we're going through the entire Paul Newman filmography. You know what? We should see, when was Paul Newman born? Vamp, my vamp. Okay, well, I have to say there was one disappointing thing about this with Paul Newman in it. Cut! I'm coming in! I'm coming in hot, Ma! Coming in hot! Coming in hot. <laughs> September is Paul Newman's birth month. I propose... <gasps> Paul Newman month? Paul Newman month! Yes! Oh! Oh my gosh, that would be wonderful. That's gonna be so much fun. It will be. Are we gonna go in chronological order? I don't know. That's a good idea. We'll do that offline. And I guess... We, we might have to start in August. Well, okay. Or do we start in September and then progress? There will be a week in, in September where we won't be. Or will we be doing the podcast live from the Cadillac on 95? <laughs> Aaron, Ma, and the boys coming home from the wedding yeah. in the Cadillac. In the Cadillac. You know, if we had a little bit more money, that could that could have really been a great bit for us. Live could, on uh, the we road. We have to do it on the iPhone. <laughs> just just, just re- recording. Yeah. Oh All right. So, um, hit. Let Ma know, um, the five listeners that we have. If Wendy? we should go in chronological order or not. And if Paul Newman is not your cup of tea, keep that to yourself. Because this well, is you happening. Can, you can let us know and you can let I, you us can know let what her you'd know. like to s- I, No, don't come, at, don't come at me with that. <laughs> well, but you can let us know what you'd like to see when we finish our, our Paul Newman-a-thon. Yes. Or if you have like a, a favorite Paul Newman movie that we have not done yet. You can recommend that. Oh, that would be great. We'd love to hear from our five listeners. Yes. I was just about to say my disappointment with Paul in this movie. Do you know what it was? Oh, the scenes where he wasn't in it? Well, that. And it was black and white. Oh, but you know what, So you didn't see those baby blues. No, you did. Oh my God! Because again, okay, it's, I have trivia it's black I have and to do white. Right now. So you're like, my God, if his eyes are doing this in black and white film, <laughs> my God, they must be so blue. So the woman who plays opposite him in this movie, Piper Laurie, I haven't even 
finished the particulars yet. I, I have to put this in here. Oh, wait, Hora, Piper Laurie, known for Twin Peaks, Carrie, Children of a Lesser God. She, she said that she was so intimidated by him, by his looks, by the gorgeousness that was upon her, that the first table read, she couldn't even look at him. She could not make eye contact. I would be, I would be dumbfounded. Like I'm, I'm surprised she could even speak. But she said that that um, he proved to be so nice and so easy to work with, and um, that you know she was able to look at him and kiss him a lot. Wow, I probably would have pooped my pants. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, for that. And go on with the particulars. All right. So we have Piper Laurie. Oh, we have Jackie Gleason. You might, Minnesota fat. You might know him as from the Honeymooners. He was also in Smokey and the Bandit. He played Minnesota Fats, who all week I was thinking was the father of at last singer Etta James because of my father. Who's like, I think Minnesota Fats was the father of Etta James. Minnesota Fats is not a real person. It's a fictional character that was made up. There was a guy named Rudolph Wanderone who, after 1961, started saying he was Minnesota Fats exactly. and he was the inspiration. Yes. But then the author, Tevis, was like, no, brah. Nah. I made no, him bra. up. I'm a writer. That's what writers do. Oh, okay. I always thought there was a Minnesota Fats. There was a Cincinnati kid. But, and this and Paul Newman's name was Fast Eddie. Yes, Fast Eddie. Um, now, I don't know if it's everywhere, but here in the Alexandria area of Virginia, there are billiard halls called Fast Eddie's. Yes, where I got hustled by my grandmother. Yeah, you did. So. Not the first nor the last time that's going to happen. And also starring it's the Cadillac. George C. Scott, who you may know his distinguished face from such films as Dr. Strangelove, Anatomy of a Murder, and Patton, just to name a few. Yeah, he always acts like he has a stick up his ass. He's George C. Scott. So it's the George director of photography is one Eugen Schoften. He's oh. a German cinematographer. Yes, sounds very Deutsch. As the, the Schoften process, which was a special effects technique where he used mirrors to insert actors into miniature sets. He uh, did this on Metropolis. Um, and he worked on a lot of other films. And here is a nice little gem. A shout out to the unseen... Women Heroes of Film. This film was edited by one Dee Dee Allen. A now, female? It was a female. Now, people, just hold on. Pay attention while I read you this woman's filmography. These are the films that Dee Dee Allen was the editor on. Just listen to this. She edited The Hustler. Bonnie and Clyde, Little Big Man, Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, Slapshot, Ooh. 
The Wiz, Reds, The Breakfast Club, The Addams Family, Wonder Boys, John Q, just to name a few highlights. The, the run that this woman had in the 70s. I mean, Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, Little Big Man. We, we might have to do a DD week. We might have month. to do DD Allen month. Yeah. I mean, damn. Why doesn't she have an award name after her? I'll bet she doesn't have a star on the Walk of Fame. Man. And the career, it spanned so far and long. I bet she was me too to death. That's some respect. Put some respect on that name. Say that name with respect, people. Say it. All right. Th- so that's the particulars. Okay. So it, it starts with uh, as the credits are rolling, and there was something about the credits and trivia, but I didn't pick it up. The there were different pool shots happening. Um, okay. So. It's black and white. A car pulls up, uh, a Studebaker, I believe, and uh, and Paul Newman gets out of the car, and you see him on camera, and he says, "Check the oil line." And there's another man, and across the street just happens to be a bar, grill, and pool hall. So they go there, and they are pretending, Paul and the other dude, that they're just salesmen coming through, you know, passing through, getting their car looked at. And, well, well, it's a hot afternoon. Let's just hang here at the pool hall for a few minutes. It is called Hustler for a reason. Yeah, so when they're at the bar, they make a whole big show of it that they're on their way to Pittsburgh. The guy mentions that Paul Newman is, uh, he is like the bestseller of whatever it is that they're selling. I, nev- I, I backed it up two times. I couldn't figure out what he was supposed to be selling. He's, there, he's basically selling something. All you need to know is that it means that his his wallet, his pockets are thick. This guy's got money. So he lets everyone know. Yeah. So he starts buying drinks. And he starts saying, to, hey, let's, let's shoot a little pool. Stay out of the heat of the afternoon. And... Uh, first, he loses $60, $70. And then more and more people start coming to watch. Um, and there's one shot in it where everybody goes, you couldn't make that shot in 100 years. And everybody bets $20, and he misses the shot. But he says, oh, and he's so drunk, you know, set him up again, set him up again. And there's going, you drunk boy. And his partner's going, let's go, let's go. And the bartender comes around and says, well, I'll try you. Ma, do you know who the bartender is? Who was the bartender? Jake LaMotta. And he was the one who has an owl face? Yeah, but it's weird because I've been watching Raging Bull. And he's Raging Bull. That's Jake LaMotta. And that LaMotta. was the real Jake LaMotta. Yeah. That was the real Raging Bull. That was weird. That is weird. We'll, we'll need to discuss more later. So the bartender says, I'll set him up for $105 if you make that shot. And the partner's like, oh, hey, I'm going to meet you in the car. I can't watch this. 
And so, of course, he makes it. Now, this shot was a shot where there were two balls next to each other and the black eight ball on top. Am I right? Yeah. And he hits the eight ball and the two balls go into both of their corners. And they had to have a real person actually, uh, uh, a pool shark actually do that shot. Yeah, because every other shot was done by Paul Newman and Jackie Gleason. And Paul Newman had not picked up a pool cue before this this movie. And he took his dining room out of his house, put a pool table in there, and spent all of his time learning how to play pool. Joanne Woodward is so accommodating. Joanne, wouldn't you be? <laughs> Anything you want, Paul. Okay. So, um, Paul Newman's walking with a suitcase and a, and a suit bag over his um, shoulder. And it's a pool hall where there are people of color. I, yes. I counted two. One actually had a name, Henry. Yes. Yes, this is true. And he has his pool cue in a case. He carries his own pool cue. Yeah, in a clue leather number case. one. Yes. So he's setting up the balls and he says, how much am I going to win tonight? A hundred grand? Who's going to beat me? And somebody no, says, says you looking for wait, action? Wait, wait, wait. Don't he's not, it's not a hundred grand, Ma. It's $10,000 in it's, one night. It, it, yeah, I'm sorry. I misread. I'm a little overzealous because of Paul. Okay, ten grand. Which uh, that at that point might now as it well be been a hundred grand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so um, he's looking for anybody who shoots straight pool. Oh, do you and know what straight pool is? What? Go ahead. Straight pool is when. They any object on the table. So you shoot any object on the table. Doesn't matter if it's stripes or solids. And it's a call pocket game. So you have to call where where the ball is going and in what pocket. And you get a point and the game goes to a certain number of points that is predetermined before the game was played. Oh, okay. Well, somebody gives him some free advice and says, you know, Fat's coming in here and nobody can beat Fat's. Yeah. So uh, they say he hasn't lost a game in 15 years. And um, then and he he still wants to play him. And they say, well, stay right where you are because Fat's comes in here every night at eight o'clock. Mm hmm. So Fats comes, it's like going up steps, like if you watch um, Donovan, how they would have to go up steps to get to the, the fighting club. So they go up steps to get to the pool pool hall. Was that it? There were steps somewhere in the movie anyway. Yeah. yeah. So Fats has his cigarette and no words are spoken. The pool hall is full of people, but they're just watching they're just watching Fats and they're watching Paul Newman. Because mm-hmm, they're like, oh, it's going down. This young whippersnapper is coming in here trying to call out Fats. Minnesota Fats. Who is this kid? So he's he's 
Paul is just practicing shooting some pool, and Fats watches him for a while, and he says, you shoot a good stick. Mm-hmm. And Paul says, oh, you're Minnesota Fats. I, I hear tell you're the best where I come from. <coughs> and Fats says, I hear you've been looking for me. You like to gamble. Let's do $100 a game. Excuse me. I don't know why that happens every time. And Paul Newman goes, $100? Let's do $200 a game. And Fats is like, no wonder they call you Fast Eddie. (coughs) And our third person of color appears. Rack him up. Uh, And so his his partner saying to Paul, how do you feel? How do you feel? And he says, I'm a little tight, but I feel good tonight. Let's put the money on the table. So then they both hit their hit their cue ball to make sure that the table is evenly aligned. Oh, I was like, what are they doing? Is this a yeah. weird race? So there's no sloping on either side to benefit one person or the other. Ah. So Paul Newman says, that's because I was such a pool aficionado. Paul Newman says, I'll break them. And um, and he, he hardly broke them. Like, it's like hardly any movement at all and i thought that was a bad break but if you're giving it over to the other guy that was a good break because the balls are still pretty much in the triangle yeah Paul you Newman don't have says, a lot to work with i'm sorry i didn't leave you with much <laughs> and in fact he like does what is that the chalk on his pool cue yeah and he's smoking and he looks and he goes well you gave me enough and they did they did indeed, because he was pretty good. Like, he was running the table for a while. Oh, well, I mean, and, he's Minnesota fats. Yeah, and, but the partner's looking at Paul, and Paul Newman has this smile on his face. Like, he's enjoying watching this. It's not, oh, my God, I can't beat this guy. It's, watch this guy. He is amazing. Yeah, it's, and, you know, Paul Newman, he's been working on his game, and he's coming after the king. And so, he, game, recognizes game. He's like, yeah, man, this is fantastic. This guy is fantastic. This guy is great, and I can beat him. That's how fantastic I am. My God, I'm so fantastic. (laughs) He is. Okay, so Paul Newman says he's great. He moves like a dancer. He's admiring him. Those chubby fingers Mm -hmm. are like playing a violin. So it keeps showing the clock. It's 11 o'clock. It's 12 o'clock. They keep playing, and the money keeps flowing. And and at this point, have they asked the priest to go get the booze? I don't think yet. Okay. So it's only 12 o'clock at night because they've been drinking what's there. And then the partner tells Paul to quit. You know, we're good. We've got a lot of money. We're going to quit. And he's too good. And Paul Newman says, I'm going to take him. Uh, I got a hunch, fat man. It's me from here on out. I had a dream. This is my table. I own this table. Mm-hmm. So the bystanders aren't aren't happy because they're, they're in Fats' corner. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. They're $1,000 ahead. And Paul Newman says, let's shoot a $1,000 game. See, I think, but but I think by this time they sent the priest to go get alcohol because that pool place didn't have a bar. When they walked in, 
He's like, is there a bar? And the guy's like, no, there's no bar. There's no bowling alley. Oh, that's right. There's that's no right. Darts. That's right. This is a pool hall. There's just pool. And so when they get into like some of the games, then Minnesota Fats is like, Priest, go down to the store and get me. I forget what he's drinking. And yeah, then, this is when it happens right now when it's a thousand dollar game. Right. But they, the priest, it's also code. That's also code from Minnesota Fats to go get this other guy. This other, this uh, other gambler guy, professional gambler. George C. Scott. Right. Who's named Bert, because, I think. Actually, it's Preacher. Yeah, and, Preacher. And he goes to Johnny's to get the alcohol, but then George C. Scott's there, so he knows he needs to come. Yeah. So Paul Newman is drinking. And he drinks, what is it? He drinks bourbon. It's, it's, uh, I didn't write down the, the it was name of it. like something like JD or JT. Brown. Yeah. Something. JT Brown. I'm sure it was the finest. Uh, I'm sure it's pretty rock good. So, um, then there's a spinning clock. It just shows the, the hours spinning. And of course you have no idea if it's day or night because the blinds are closed mm-hmm. in the pool hall. So they just keep playing pool. So George C. Scott, whose name in the movie is Burke Gordon, comes over with money. And he's sitting in um, next to the pool table, and it's throwing Paul Newman off. And he, he says, you're bothering me. Move. And so George C. Scott gets up and moves two inches. Yeah. George C. Um, Scott, it, you, he's one of those characters. You look and you're like, ah, this guy's a dick. Right. It's well, just, he looks like that at anybody. Yeah, but then just how he's act, you look at him and you say, I think this guy's a dick, but hey, you know, not going to judge a book by its cover. And then you give it five minutes and you're like, nah, that cover was correct. No. This guy's yeah, a dick. Yeah, exactly. You were being kind, actually. Okay, so Fats keeps throwing bills on the table. At this point, Paul Newman is up $11,400. And I, so, he came in the night saying, I'm going to win $10,000 in one night. He's exactly. won $11,000. Exactly. So he's up 1400 And what does so, his partner say? Well, he sends somebody to get him some breakfast. Um, yeah, but his it, partner says, look, man, we're up $11,000. You right. just won. Let's go. Let's let's leave. Let's go to the hotel room. Let's sleep. And Paul, Paul Newman says, "He says it ain't over till Fat says yeah. it's over." Fat has to say it's over, and then it's over. I'm getting him all the way. Is it over, Fats? I'm gonna beat him. I'm the best there is. And George C. Scott says, "Stay with this kid. He's a loser." Ooh, and oh. Oh, that was not what Paul Newman wanted to hear. So he's got a mind game going on besides his pool game. Bert is a psychological dick. I mean, he's his dickness is tiramisu. (laughs) So it's been 24 hours of straight playing. And Paul Newman says, get me a drink. Well, Fats is over tidying up because Fats always had 
his suit and his white shirt and his tie and his carnation um, carnation in in his lapel so he's over washing his face and tidying up and he's looking fresh as a daisy oh, and Paul looks- Newman looks like he's been rode hard and put away wet yeah Fats looks like he smells fantastic he's very clean and Paul Newman looks like he probably smells yeah and we would take the smell yeah, I mean, well, it would saying. it would only smell good. He's just but he is looking a little ragged. Oh, very, very ragged. At this point, Paul Newman is up eighteen thousand dollars. Oh, just walk away, Eddie. You beat him. And his partner's saying, "Come on, you know, let's go. We're ahead eighteen thousand dollars." And George C. Scott says, I thought you said it was over when Fats says it's over. So Fats puts his jacket back on and says, Fast Eddie, let's play some pool. Oh, Mike, this was all a warm up for Fats. I believe at this point they have been playing pool for 25 straight hours. Eddie Paul Newman is sleeping on a stool. He can't stay awake. And Fats looks like he is fresh as a daisy. And Paul Newman says, you look beautiful, Fats. You're all pink and powdered up. Charlie, give me the money. <sighs> and Charlie Charlie is his partner, and Charlie's mad because they're up $18,000, and he knows what's going to happen. And he goes, no, I'm not going to give you the money. This is, no. So, uh... Paul Newman puts on his jacket. He smiles at Fats. He starts laughing. Drunk, weird and, laugh. Junk, drunk, yeah. weird Paul Newman laugh. And he goes, Paul Newman goes, I'll break. But he keeps on laughing. <clears throat> Next scene, Paul Newman slumped on that stool sleeping. And Charlie tells Eddie to wake up. He said, we lost again. Paul Newman kicks a whiskey bottle. He just has some crumpled bills left. He's got $200 left. Yeah. And he goes to Charlie, give me, is this all? And he says, if that's all you have, then that's all there is. Oh. He says, game's over, Eddie. And he's leaving. And Paul says, you can't run out on me. At this time, uh, Henry opens the blinds and lets Son in the room. And... He and Paul Newman says, "Fats, come, come on!" But then he falls down with exhaustion. Yeah, and Fats Everybody is like, leaves. "That's like you, you come at the king, you best not miss." And Fats just looks at him and walks out. He sure does with all that money in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Next scene: Paul Newman's lying on a bed, Charlie's sleeping. He pulls out the money, and and he leaves Charlie there. He leaves him some money. He says, sorry, Charlie, and he leaves. Now, is this where Sorry Charlie originated from? I don't know. Because right? we have a whole bunch of Fast Eddies. Yeah, I, I just wonder, like, oh, this is where Sorry, sorry Charlie came from. Maybe it does. Yeah, who knows? At, at this point, we're at the bus station, and there are four more people of color. Yes. So at the bus station, he's getting cleaned up. He puts his suitcase in a locker. He sees Piper Lori in the little cafe. So he goes and sits opposite her table. Mm-hmm. And she's reading and smoking. And he orders a cup of coffee. Then he says, oh, two cups so that Piper Laurie can have one. Now, Piper Laurie doesn't come across as 
a beautiful woman. She comes across as a nice-looking woman, don't you think? She's she's pleasant enough looking. She's she's got a ple- a pleasant enough face, but she's got real sad eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And and helmet helmet hair. Yeah, blonde helmet hair. Overly coiffed hair. Mm-hmm. And so he just looks at her and says, "What time does your bus leave?" And she said, "Eight o'clock." Um. And then Piper Glory looks at him and says, wouldn't give us much time, would it? Ooh. Oh. At which point Paul Newman just closes his eyes and nods off. And she said that not like enthusiastically. Like, yeah, she's kind of, she, you know, he know came and sat after. down. She's just trying to read her book and drink some coffee. This guy comes in the bus station. And true, he does look like Paul Newman. But it is the bus station. And so I assume that even in this 1961 or does it take place in 1961 or does it take place earlier than that? I don't know when the Studebaker was. Yeah, I don't I don't know what. Anyway, maybe it was in the 50s. I don't know. I feel like even though the bus terminals look nicer then than they do now i still feel the same rules apply some guy starts coming up to you talking to you at the bus terminal ah i'm not gonna be too uh you know open and present i'm not too inviting i don't know who you are guy yeah, and we're at the bus like terminal Paul Newman, so yeah so yeah so but, so yeah. yeah so uh, yeah like she's not impressed it's, it's another guy coming on to her. So Paul Newman closes his eyes and he actually nods off. So Piper Glory pays for his cup of coffee. And uh, a waitress comes by later and wakes him up. Yeah, because people need to sit down. The bus terminal got busy. So now they're in a bar. He's well, in he a bar. He walks bar. into a bar and he sees Piper Glory in a booth. And he's like, my kind of woman. So he smiles and... He goes over and sits down in her booth. Um, and he says, can I? And she says, why not? We already know each other's secrets. And Paul Newman says, thanks for breakfast. And there's banter back and forth. Oh, yeah. She's much more talkative now because she's drunk. She has had some alcoholic beverage. She's drinking scotch. She is not messing around. Yeah, scotch. Man, that stuff is nasty. So he goes, uh, why Why didn't you get on the bus? And she says, I wasn't waiting for a bus. And she says, but I know your secret. You live in a locker. So she used to be an actress, but now she's in college. And he goes, well, you don't look young enough to be in college. And I was like, ouch. <laughs> yeah, but she's drunk and she lives three blocks away. And he goes, uh, I'll get us a bottle. And she says, well, you want me to just step out in the alley? Oh. Um, another person of color. And um, he, he goes, no, I'll take you home. So she gets up and she falls. And she goes, I'm not drunk, I'm lame. And he um, keeps the bottle and she limps away. Mm-hmm. So she really has a limp. I missed that whole thing of the, oh, I'm not drunk, I'm lame. 
Because I thought then when they were walking home, I'm like, man, she is toasted. And then later as the movie progressed, I'm like, oh, no, she does have a limp. Mm-hmm. So she, they stop at her door and she says, why me? And he kisses her. And she she backs off. She says, you're too hungry. <laughs> stop. You're too hungry. And so he gives her the bottle and he leaves. And he goes and finds a room for himself. It's $1.50 a night, so you know what it was. He goes and gets his suitcase, and he gets a bottle, and he goes back to that nasty room. Mm -hmm. So now it's a new pool hall, and he goes in because he needs some money. So he's Because he, he wants to play. His whole thing is playing Minnesota Fats again. Mm -hmm. He's going to beat Minnesota Fats. But to do that, he needs money. And so he's going to... Um, hustle these guys so he goes in a pool hall and somebody says hey i saw you play at ames the other night uh you're way out of our league so then he goes to another pool pool hall um and somebody tells him you know yeah you shoot good but you shoot lucky so piper Laurie is back at the bus station and he's there with a bottle, and they stare at each other, and he picks up the bottle, and they walk out together. Mm -hmm. wah, wah. So now they're an next, item. Next scene, he's opening the shutters, and he's lying on a bed. It's 11 o'clock. And he tell who tells who, I'll get back later. Oh, and he kisses her, and she says, you need a shave. There's oh. a razor and cream compliments of the house so like it's obvious this isn't her first rodeo if you know what i mean yeah i mean she keeps a razor and it's like all right at this point i i was like is she a sex worker i think she's a sex worker when she needs to be but all of her bills are being paid well we don't know that yet yes so at, at this point though i am thinking she is a she is Roxanne. There is a red light. Yeah, I was too. So we'll get into that later. Then she goes, Eddie's Eddie. I've got troubles. You've got troubles. Maybe we should leave each other alone. That's and probably a sensible idea. Yeah, but Paul Newman closes the shutters, and we know what happens. Next. Uh, it's like, but babe, uh, look at my face. <laughs> look, look who's here. <sighs> So next scene, she goes shopping, and she looks, she looks sober. Oh, she, she got some pep to her step. Happy, she is buying groceries, and she goes back in the apartment. And he says, "Where?" Have, uh, she, he says, "Where have you been all day?" And she says, "School. I told you, I'm in college." Well, she's in college on Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? Which, when I was in college, I had a semester where. I was in college on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. It was fantastic. That sounds lovely. <laughs> Just lovely. <laughs> um, and then she gave him a lighter. She bought him a present. Oh, she's getting feelings. And she says, you know, I want to stop people on the street and tell them I got a fella. Oh, and that just makes you cringe. Yeah, you, that you know him for too what? Soon. Yeah, this is way too, too soon, soon, Piper. You are very clingy. You need to relax, woman. Yeah. 
And she's got bookcases upon bookcases of books. And he says, you read all them books? And uh, I, I don't know what she said. Yeah, and there's something about she goes to a clinic to get treatments. Um, oh, and I she's, all that. She's, un, she's unpacking the food. She says, I got enough so we don't have to leave the house till Tuesday. That's my kind of girl. Yeah. You got Paul Newman in there. You keep him in there. Don't let him see anything else. But she did buy a lot of processed foods. Well, it was all canned food. Yeah. Yeah. Probably he's not only, in BPA-lined cans. No, but it was the 60s. Probably full of grains. May I share? <laughs> She's got Paul Newman in there. I know, but we I, can't be. We should be feeding Paul Newman the finest of the fine. We should. And he goes, where do you get the money to pay all this? And she says, a rich old man who used to be my lover. Damn. So he's not. she's not even with this old man. And he's still footing the bill. Yeah. And, you know, like she's she's flaunting her promiscuity. Yeah. She's no, uh, I don't know, white rose, I guess. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> Then there's a knock on the door, and it's Charlie, and Paul introduces Piper Laurie as his girl. <gasps> oh, be still my heart. Now, how and, did Charlie find Paul Newman? Well, he says he had to ask around. <laughs> you think people aren't talking about the guy that's living in Piper Laurie's apartment? Yeah, they're like, man, did you see yeah, the latest this gorgeous guy? guy? Damn. I know you can't see it, but he's got these blue eyes. <laughs> this, that's what I, I heard this this uh, phrase this week. She outkicked her coverage. <laughs> <laughs> and she's always bringing attention to it. Yeah. Like, well, I would too. You're not the, you're not the, but I mean, as far as. You're not the first person to, you know, lay in this bed. You know, there's a razor and shave cream in there. So, so anyway, Charlie says to Paul, you walked out on me. You're like a son to me. Come back on the road. And Paul's going, rah, 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 rah. Matt, and, yeah, and, grumpy, grumpy. But then Paul says, uh, wait a second. Uh, how are we going to, like, pay for going out on the road? Mm-hmm. Where'd you get this money from, Charlie? Charlie? Mm -hmm. Charlie? Charlie was holding out on him. Charlie, you holding out on me? Charlie, how much you money did you hold out on me? Charlie? $1,500. Charlie, $1,500. That was enough for him to beat fat. He could, but not that night. No, he was too drunk by then. He, mm. he was very irresponsible. I, when I was watching him, just to, to rewind real quick, when he's playing fat, I said, oh, is this his shtick? Like, he gets sloppy drunk, but he, and that's how he lulls people in. That's his hustle. But really, yeah, but he's sharp know. as a knife. But no, he got like freaking sloppy drunk and thinks he's going to beat Minnesota Fats when he's that in the tank. And I'll bet the, the bottle that he got from Johnny's was really watered down alcohol. 
the the one that Jackie Gleason got. Oh, that Fats Soda. got. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a good move right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they get it at Johnny's. So, um, and it's also like, okay, if I go on the road with you, I'm prostituting myself for you to make the money. Just like she's prostituting herself to live here. Well, yeah, that's just one of the, the themes of the movie. And he goes, you don't get it. What and don't I get? You're, you're going to lie down and die by yourself. Who but says don't that take me who? with you. At which point Piper Laurie's crying. Yeah, like, why is she crying? Well, because it was a little too close to home. I guess Because so. she knew she, she, knew she wasn't going to end up with Paul Newman. Yeah. Sorry, spoiler alert. She's just, she's just got a whole lot of issues. She, like, she's she, a walking red flag. She is a walking, and he is too. Yeah. Just a really pretty one. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, you can't, you're blinded by the blue eyes. You can't see the red flags. <laughs> and um, then... So Charlie calls out, thanks for the drink, Eddie's girl. And he leaves. And Paul Newman says, everybody wants a piece of me. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then he kisses her. So next scene, she's drunk and she's typing. Oh, yeah. And may I say in this scene, he doesn't have a shirt on. I know. This was before Planet Fitness and such. So, like, you know, it wasn't Ab City or anything? It was Ab City. What are you talking about? He, I'm just saying, you know, not everybody was into their abs and, and everything. But, my goodness, he looked good. He I was did. like, that is a strapping man. Oh, wow. He looked good. No wonder what's his name. What was the name in Cat on the Hot Tin Roof? Brick. Skipper? Oh, Skipper. No wonder Skipper wanted a piece of him. <laughs> He's cleaning up, which is why he doesn't have a shirt on. It's not so that we all swoon. But it is. And he's going out. And he says, what you type in there? And she says, it's a story I'm making up. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's fantastic. So he pulls it out of the typewriter. And it says, we have a contract of depravity. All you have to do is pull the blinds down. And he rips it up. Oh, that makes him says, so angry. I was like, I don't even understand. I, um, wow. I mean, reading comprehension back in the day was much greater than it is now. Because I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I have to decipher this for a few minutes. Depravity. All right. I think I know what that means. Contract. Yeah. All right. I, I frankly, I found it to be <laughs> pretentious. <laughs> I would have just, been, he should have crumbled up and be like, this is pretentious. Start over. Pretentious. You're a pretentious. Say what bitch. you mean. Well, he rips it up and he says, write yourself another story. And she says, well, you know, we never talk. All we do is sleep and drink and make love. We're complete strangers. Again, I see it's Paul Newman. What, what, what are you crying about? Yeah, that sounds great. And he and she says, what do we do when the money runs out? And he says, get yourself another rich lover. Oh. And she says, you'll help me. Uh -huh. 
why? Why do you have to ruin this? Weird, lady. So he slaps her. Oh, slaps her. Yeah. She's and she just looks at him and says, "You waiting for me to cry?" Oh, oh man. She's been slapped before, and she's like, she just shakes it off, and she should have been like in spit and been like, "You hit like a girl." Yeah. You think this is the first time this has happened to the person I lent razors and cream, shaving cream to? Next scene, he's going into a pool hall, but he goes into the poker game in the back where George C. Scott is there. Bert's there. Bert's there playing poker. And he's and says, sit down, sit down, Fast Eddie. And... Uh, he asked for $20 of chips, and then he comes out of the bar, and George C. Scott says um, he'll take, oh, oh, he goes out to the bar because he's lost all his money, obviously. And pretty much George C. Scott says, you know, I'll take one, too. And, um, and no, George C. Did, Scott he says. he didn't lose all his money. He did pretty good. Oh, did he win some? Yeah, he won some. Okay, so he, so George C. Scott is saying, you know, poker's not your game, but your game is pool. And I, I saw you play, and, and um, I haven't ever seen anybody better. No one alive shoots better than you. Yeah, and so but, Paul and he, goes, well, what, what beat me then? If I'm better than Minnesota, what beat me? George C. Scott says, your character. Oh, yeah. Well, he also calls him a loser. He's like, you're a born loser. You just lose. Yep, Eddie, you're a born loser. You uh, you let him off because you got drunk, and drunk was your excuse to lose. You feel sorry for yourself, but maybe I can help you. Mm-hmm. I'll back you. And Paul Newman goes, well, what's in it for you? And he goes, 75%. 75%? Wow. I win, I win 100% of the money, and then I have to give you 75%. I only Would, get 25%. That's a slap in the face. I, I mean, it's his talent winning that money. That is extremely yeah. disrespectful. Prostitution. Damn, it is. And I thought that they got better rates. Well, I hope they get better than that. Uh, and and then George C. Scott says, well, at the end of the game, it's not how much money you have. Uh, it's um, it. The end of the game. It's not how many shots you hit well. It's who ends up with the money at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So obviously, the winner's going to be George C. Scott. But George, George C. Scott. He's C. a professional gambler. That's yeah. that's what he does. Right. And he says he doesn't make bad bets. He's got a. He buys a new car every year. Not because he wants one, but because that's how the sh- that's how the show goes. Yeah. So Paul Newman says, "When did you adopt me?" Well, so uh, he ends up in, uh, Paul Newman in Arthur's pool hall. Well, wait now, wait, wait. Okay. Be- when when uh, Paul Newman turns down Bert, 
and says that deal that you have is ridiculous i'm gonna play minnesota fats and i'm gonna and he goes well how are you gonna get the money he's like oh i'm gonna go raise it and everybody's like your name has been ringing out across this land everybody knows about you and he's like well i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna do what i do and that's hustle and he says you're gonna walk into the wrong pool hall and you're gonna you're it's not gonna go well for you you're gonna run up on some guys it's not gonna go well and he's just like all right i'm just gonna take my chances then yeah and he did at arthur's pool hall yeah and he hustled they knew he was hustling him 100 uh let's see 10 bucks for 10 games and of course he won them all so he won a hundred dollars well he he was there was a kid there who was very mouthy and he was trying to hustle him and he there's a there's two-way hustling going on and then he was being very mouthy he was like fine it's gonna be 10 per game and then he said he what did he say to him that kid said something to paul newman and paul like his fast eddie in this movie people say something to him that like makes him they either call him a loser or they say that his shot was luck like he's got it hurts anything that hurts his ego he gets real sensitive and then he gets mad and so the right. kid said something to him and he was like oh yeah and so then instead of like winning in a controlled and you know fashion not showing off fast eddie just like blazes him he just he does the who is the dude that like burned through atlanta he just burned through he sherman oh, sherman him. oh he's sherman this guy yeah, just it's true. burned him to the ground embarrassed all 10 him. games he just he, all 10 he, games just fire just bam 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 and he, and he puts his his cue down and he says i didn't want to have to i was just good i was content to just beat you i was but you had to go and open your mouth so i had to go and shut it up for you yeah and he's like pay me and so the guy's like oh you're a pool shark mm -hmm. so he puts the money on the counter and then all of a sudden oh fast eddie looks around and he is surrounded three to one no it was like four to one Oh, yeah, it was four to one. Yeah. So they're like, pick yeah. up your money, boy. And they kept calling him boy. And I'm like, wow. And then they took him into the men's room. And what happened wasn't what I thought was happening, which what? was a good thing. Did, did, what did you think was happening? I thought we were in a prison situation. Oh, you went dark. I went really dark because he had two really loud screams. <laughs> And, and they you showed it behind that, the frosted glass of the gentleman's room. You thought that they took a pool cue and put it up his butt? No, I thought they enjoyed themselves. His butt. But they didn't. <laughs> you thought that this turned into Pulp Fiction? Yeah, I did. No, was, Ma. So, no, so he shows up at Piper Lori's apartment. And she's drunk. And he comes in. They broke it, both of his thumbs. Because he's a I pool shark. I so shark. relieved they broke both of his thumbs. But that's his. He can't work. He can't do anything. 
Right, and he might not ever be able to again. Yeah, that's his livelihood. I understand. I'm just talking about the other part. That would be very interesting, though, if we could have a sit-down with Fast Eddie and say, Fast Eddie, which would you rather? Mm. Two broken thumbs. Wow, this or... Are four people accosting you? Oh, oh I don't think you, you thought that it. You thought that it was all four of them took turns. I did. Oh my gosh! Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> Guess I'm depraved. I have a contract with depravity. Oh my gosh! You thought he got the wonder bag treatment? Oh my goodness gracious! Okay, so moving on, he gets two casts on his hands, obviously. Yes. So she's taking care of him. I can't get over this, though. You thought he got gay raped? I see it. In the pool? By all four of those guys? There's nothing funny about this. Oh, my gosh. We have to move on. So, um, he can't pick up his coffee cup. He's getting frustrated and he throws his coffee on the floor and she's typing and he goes, you want a drink? And she says, she doesn't. (gasps) What is she on the wagon now? First time ever. Man. It's really hot in the apartment because he's in it. And he's trying to unbutton his shirt, but he can't. So she goes over to start to help him, and he pushes her away. Yeah. And then he realizes what a jerk he's being, so he puts his arms around her. Next scene, they're having a picnic. Erin, are you there? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And he says, do you think I'm a loser? And she goes, Bert Gordon owns things. Um. That bothers me. Um, <laughs> anything can be great. You just had to show those guys. I don't know what that meant. Yeah, she uh, talks a lot of nonsense. She I, talked a lot. I was but she did say, out. you're not a loser, Eddie. You're a winner. Some men never get to feel that way about anything. Because he was describing what it feels like when he's in the zone at the pool team. Yeah, and he says that even a, a bricklayer, when they know what they're like, everybody can be great at something. Guys laying brick, he knows exactly how to do it, where to go. All right, Eddie. Yeah, because when you're in that zone and you know you're doing your thing and you're doing your thing better than anybody else. And she says that shows you're a winner because there are people who live their whole life and never feel that way about anything. Hmm. Yes. And then she says, I love you. Too soon, Piper. Well, she's just damaged. Again, just whenever I envision her, I just envision her face is replaced by a a red flag with a helmet of hair, blonde hair. Yeah. So he says to her, you need the words? And she says, very much. And if you ever say them, I'll never let you take them back. So, yeah, she's she's being pretty clingy right now oh jeez let me breathe here yeah nobody wants nobody wants that so the casts are gone and he's flexing his hands and his thumbs and he's trying I'm them back, out baby i'm back george c scott comes in um and um paul newman says you name the place i'll be there 
So he's pretty much going with this 75-25 split thing because he's got to have money to beat Minnesota Fats. Mm -hmm. So he takes Piper Laurie, whose name is really Sarah somebody? Sarah Packard. Okay. To a fancy restaurant. Well, it was the same Parisian restaurant that their first night when they walked back, they walked past. Oh, I didn't know that. I did because I was like, Parisian restaurant? I'm like, oh, that's French. Mm. So this is funny. The, uh, the waiter comes over and says, would you like a drink before dinner? And what does she order, Aaron? Sherry. Back to Sherry again. Dry. What did she call it? Extra dry. Extra dry. Very old, old very dry. Very sherry. old, very dry sherry. Guess what I did not do in my summer vacation? I did not have any sherry. No. And we're not going to because that's a waste of money. I feel like I should at least know what it tastes like. You know what? Oh, at the ask. wedding, I'm going to get sherry. I'm going to. I wonder if at, they'll have. You can get it. Yeah. I'm going to go to a bar someplace and just be like, I would like a sherry, please. I'll bet at the rehearsal dinner you could get a little glass of sherry. I think it's good. It's down south. It seems southerly. I'll be like, I would like very old and very dry. Chop, chop. I have to be with you. I have to be with you. Uh, I'm going to go chop, chop. <laughs> well, he says to her, you look Pretty, and she says, "I feel pretty," which feel is so pretty. Um, not something that she usually feels. I, her, her limp, I think, really makes her feel like she's not a pretty woman. But it, it's like she just looks like me, probably like five weeks out of the year after pulling some sort of muscle, hobbling around. You know, yeah, it, it wasn't make, a it wasn't a real pronounced limp. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel. I'm not like, oh my god, I'm hideous. Look at me limping around. And and actually, when I was doing trivia, it said that the um the director wanted it to sometimes be obvious that she had a limp, and sometimes you completely forgot she had a limp. And yeah, she did. It made me question her commitment because I was mm -hmm. I said at first again I thought she was drunk. Then I said, oh, this is a character choice. And then you find out more and you're like, oh, no, it's gone. And then, oh, no, it's back. Oh, there's a reason for it. Yeah, it's more pronounced when the, the more depressed she gets, the more drunk she gets. Yes. Okay, so oh, I left my notes. So then um, to you, Eddie, they have a toast. Because he gets Sherry, too, which was just funny. It's time for the bill. And he says, um, by the way, BTW, I'll be leaving town for a little while. Yeah, I got I to gotta hit the road. So she goes, okay, here it comes. There we go. Yeah. So what's um, a while? Is it going to be a week? Are you talking a year? Look, I'll be back. Yeah. And she's like, that's why you took me to this restaurant, Eddie. You're and hustling me. You bought me this me? dress. You bought me this dress. You hustling me, Eddie. Because all you do is hustle. So it's raining outside. So they go outside and he's going to call her a taxi because he has, you know, 25% of that money. And she goes, I want to walk. Yeah. Nah, I just so have she, to walk. They, they get home drenched. She's and mad. he goes to her, don't you want to know where I'm going? And she really doesn't, because yeah. the only point is that he's leaving her. Yeah. And she knows he's leaving her. So he's going to Louisville, 
Louisville. Louisville. He's going to make money. He's going to leave now. Oh, and she, so she tells him, well, then just go. Just go now. Yeah, just leave tonight. And he says, grow up. <laughs> You're hustling me. You want me to sit and wait? Is that your idea of love? And he's and like, look, we got bills to pay. Love <laughs> doesn't pay these bills. And and he goes, I got no idea of love. Well, What's your idea of love? Chains? Oh. Ouch. And then she goes, I made you up like everything else. Uh, by the way, uh, my limp didn't come from a car crash. I had polio. Yeah. It, Tr if true, she's very lucky that all she had was yeah. that little one. Oh, like, that's it? Yeah, really. I wasn't an actress. The rich old man is actually my father who sends me money. Okay, so was she lying about the lover part, too? Because I was like, how weird is this? Oh, Aaron. Right? No. I don't know. Uh -huh. No. Hmm. The rich old man was actually her father who sends her money. He left her. They she aban he abandoned the family when he, she was seven years old, but he still pays for her living. Okay, well that's guilt. Yeah, and that's why she's so messed up. But Ugh. he he could have just left her with nothing. That's true. Uh, so like every like oh I have polio, but all you have is a slight limp. Oh, my father abandoned me. But he's still paying your bills. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> I mean, so she said, you, I wanted you to be real. Everything else I said wasn't real, but I wanted you to be real. See, she's walking him to George C. Scott at the train. Well, she's, she's coming along. Yeah, she's not walking him. She's like, ha, ha, ha. Look who hustled who or who. yeah i'm coming on this that. trip yeah mm. they're going to louisville during derby week oh the parties watch out so they're sitting in the train and george c scott and paul newman are reviewing the last game he played with minnesota fats there's more people of color of course the porter of course the people who help yeah the help well that's Pretty much when we well, we'll get to that in the final tally for the people of color. Okay. Um, so Piper Lori is is listening to this and she's saying to George C. Scott, how do you know what Eddie was thinking? Oh, who is this dame? And George C. Scott says, Well, I'd hate to put money on a cripple. And then oh, fast Eddie, he gets he goes zero to sixty. Yeah. He Why you gotta say that? Yeah. And Why then, you gotta go there? And then, cause George C. Scott was just—he was talking about his thumbs and being crippled. He didn't realize that, like, the woman was limping because she had polio. Right. He just thought that because he really hadn't paid any tight. attention to her anyway. No, he paid zero attention. That's a woman. He was like zero attention. So they're at the hotel in Louisville, Derby Week. And they had they had reserved one room, and now they need two. And Derby Week, there is nothing, nowhere. La Quinta, nowhere. So or La Quinta, Scott, if, if you want to say it that way. 
La Quinta. <laughs> That's how they say it in Louisville. Yeah, but it's La Quinta. Well, in your neck of the woods. <laughs> Which is, knows how to say that. <laughs> Their word. <laughs> and therein lies the rub. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, George C. Scott bribes the dude. They get adjoining hotel rooms. I knew this was going to be a problem. Yeah. Foreshadowing people. It It's going to get ugly. So Eddie goes right to the pool hall to start hustling people. Because it's a hustler's convention. Oh, there's so much money. Everybody's looking for that action. Yeah. And so uh, George C. Scott and Piper Laurie go up to their rooms, and she's going, closing the doors that adjoin the two rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two, because this is a suite. Yeah. So she closes the first one, and uh, I wrote down words. I don't know what that <laughs> means. Today for me, tomorrow for Eddie. Well, because they want uh, George C. Scott wants to have words with her. <laughs> it's just funny that he wrote down words. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd pick it up. I knew you'd pick it up. Yeah. So he says, "Can I have word? I need, we need to have words." And she says, "Do we? Do we have to?" And he says, "Yeah, because it's not going to do Eddie any good for us to like keep stabbing each other." So. Uh, I don't know what he says after that. Well, he pretty much says, don't make trouble. Live and let live while you can. You're hanging on by your fingernails. Oh. So he's pretty much telling her her time is is coming to an end quickly. (laughs) You seen these Louisville dames around here? (laughs) Yeah. And there were a lot of gorgeous dames. Yeah. That's what he, and he was saying that. He said on the train ride, you will never see so many beautiful women. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm sure that there's like a lot of good looking, but it's still Louisville, but it is Derby week, but it's still. But people come out of the woodwork to go to Derby. I okay. understand that, but I'm just saying, I think that, you know, that you, you could travel other places as well. Okay. So, so Paul Newman gives her $540. He just hustled. Uh, for her to hold for luck. So yeah. she puts it in her little pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this guy that they're going to meet, Finley. Yes. And he's the one that they're going to try to hustle. He is, he's rich and he likes to, what does he call? He calls him like a gentleman hustler or something, a gentleman gambler. So. It, that isn't his profession. He made his money doing other things, but he also likes to compete in gambling. He likes and to he likes to rub shoulders with that world, with like the dangerous criminal element. Right, but not all the time. Yeah. Um, and he plays billiards, which I didn't know was different. It is. I looked it up. Three cushion billiards, a carom. You hit both balls. You have to hit both balls in a rail to score. So it's just play with the cue ball and like two other balls. And there's no pockets. 
And may I say that Finley uh, presented as someone who enjoys playing with balls. Oh, wow. I'm just saying that's how he presented to me. He presented to me as a white Southern guy. Now, white Southern guy and someone who likes to play with balls, there, it's very, it's like a very fine line. We don't I want get, to offend any of our Southern listeners. Hey, I'm just saying. There aren't any, so it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, like, everyone knows what I'm talking about. The accent and how yeah. people talk very a touch slowly. touch of feminine. He was a touch of feminine. Very effeminate. Nothing wrong with that. Yes. So, some of these rich Southern people I see and I go, is he gay or just Southern and rich? Mm. I don't. We that we have to discuss that later about something else too. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, it will be. Okay, so there's jazz being played. She's drunk. Oh. Champagne is there there are people of color walking around with trays of champagne. Yes. And, well, there's I mean, just people I say, of color it just picking Moet. up. It's just picking up after the white people. That's the entire everyone. Oh, he, they're too drunk to even like put their glass down. They get they oh, pick yeah. it up. They're they can't peeing even on the floor because they don't even know it because it was yeah. Moe Chandon champagne. They were drinking. So she's drunk and there are women all over Eddie. So she's like, oh, this really is, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah I was hanging on by my fingernails, but but it's over now. I can't compete. I can't compete. Okay, so there were three people of color here. Um, she has another champagne, and George C. Scott is watching her like a predator watches his prey. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it turns nasty. And he whispers in her ear, and she throws her drink in his face. Now, may I share, she likes her drink. So by by losing the alcohol and throwing it in his face, there must have been something really bad said. Although when I was watching it, I said, is that what happened? Or is this all part of the hustle? Tell to, me more. To cause a scene, he like whispers, go now. And she throws it in his face. She cries. There's a scene. Everybody looks. Uh, Paul Newman comes and gets her and puts her upstairs. And then I was like, well, is that? Then they are like, oh, he's rattled now because they, they have a weird thing. Like, that was kind of where it fell apart for me because I was like, well, what was the point of them doing that for the hustle? And I hmm. said, I guess it wasn't a hustle. I think, okay, that guy, I, I think that guy's a dick. No, he's just a dick. It was, go, goes right because back. Because his... His money would be on Paul Newman for the billiards game. Yeah, but so no, the hustle, like part of the hustle for the Finley guy. Ah, thinking, oh, he's rattled now. Yeah. I can really take advantage. Mm -hmm. and, well, you know, it, it was you're thin. You're giving the writer too much credit there. I did. Writer to writer. Okay, so she uh, collapses into a crying fit, which before, when Paul Newman slapped her, she said, you're waiting for me to cry. So I guess because she was so drunk, she cried. Well, she anyway. was so drunk. She's seeing all these women who don't have limps all on Paul Newman. This guy that she can't stand 
he's like propositioning her. So yeah, she's just in a rather crude manner. Yeah, ah, she's living up to yeah what she had pretended to be. Okay, so she's asleep on a bed with a whole lot of coats, and there's a woman up there. And I thought the woman was up there to look after her. No, the woman needed her fur coat, and Piper Laurie was laying on it, so she had to roll her over to get her coat. And Paul Newman witnessed this, and it was. It was not something nice to see. It was unseemly. It was like, man, she, uh, she's yeah. not able to really handle her liquor anymore. Yeah, she blew it. She blew it this time. So they go downstairs to the pool table. And Paul Newman takes the sheet off and he goes, what's this? And I'm going, it's a pool table. What? <laughs> oh, no, it's a billiards table. Oh, and then I'm, that's, that's when I was like, billiards? I thought it was the same thing. Me too, but not. We are an educate. We could be on PBS. We are an educational podcast. Well, we would have to talk And like Eddie we had never played billiards before, but of course he pretended like he had. So they raise the stakes and they keep raising the stakes and he keeps losing and losing. And uh, Paul Newman keeps going, I'll beat him next game. Rack up. Rack, um, rack him up. And George C. Scott keeps going, we're leaving. Well, that's the last thing he wants to hear because he wants to be a winner in the end. But as George C. Scott tells him, you're going to let the drink or the distraction of the woman or whatever be your excuse for not winning. So then he goes, I'll beat him with my own money. So he has to go up and he has to get the $540 out of Sarah's purse because she is snoozing heart heartily and he loses. And he goes, that's it. I'm broke. And so he's begging Bert for more money, at which point Sarah comes down the steps. And she says, don't beg him, Eddie. They wear masks, Eddie. He hates what you have, and he doesn't have. So George C. Scott goes, ah, $1,000 game. And she leaves because it's like, just leave this fool. But no, Eddie's, Eddie's fix is the money that will let him try to beat anybody. Okay, so she leaves. Uh, and then the next scene is old Finley in his study saying to Bert, will you take a check for $12,000? Yeah, so look at that. And what does Paul get out of it? $3,000. Ah. 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 And then uh, I want to walk. Oh, oh. so then uh, Paul Newman is pissed because, you know, like he earned that 12000 but he only gets 3000 of it. So George C. Scott's going, let's drive to the hotel. And, and this time Paul Newman says, I want to walk. And George C. Scott goes, it's a, it's a long way. And so then George C. Scott says, you want me to tell her for you? Which was obvious. Do you want me to? And, and, and Paul goes, tell you what? Tell her what? You got to be hard, Eddie. So George T. Scott goes to the hotel. He opens her door. She's sitting on her bed and her, her bag is already packed. And she's leaving in a little while. 
And she says to him, it's what you want. And George C. Scott says, it's what Eddie wants. Eddie never told him that he was going to leave her. Yeah. He wants you to have some money. So he put it on the bed. And she says, that's how it's done, right? Oh. You know, for a prostitute to get her money. You're a Roman, Bert. You have to win them all. And then Bert kisses her. And then she goes to Bert's room. Yeah. And later she comes out in just her slip. And she writes on the mirror in lipstick, perverted, twisted, cripple. So I'm like, hmm. I'm guessing that this isn't going to go well for her. This doesn't sound like a happy ending. Not seeing a white picket fence here. So Eddie gets to the hotel and he asks for the uh, key to room, whatever it was. And the bellman didn't want to give it to him, but he finally did. When he gets up there, there are police in the room. Don't you think that the bellman or that there would have been like a police, like he would have been like room 57 and then it would have been, there would have been a detective and it would have been like, excuse me, sir, who are you? Why yeah. are you going to this room? Or that they would have been waiting for him in the lobby to he come back. Because he he literally he gets the key, goes up to goes into the hotel room. Because remember it was adjoining rooms. He's and then he looks around. He turns and there he sees that there's a whole bunch of people in Bert's room. He's a oh photographer guy. So I'm like, well obviously this isn't a crime scene because it has not been secured. <laughs> all this DNA a whole lot of DNA around here. I hope that you all know exactly what happened because this is not going to stand up in court. Um, then he sees in the bathroom, you just see, you just see her back on the floor and then you see razor blades and blood in the sink. Yeah. So I couldn't figure out what happened because I, I mean, well, if she slit her wrist, there would be like blood all over the floor. And I couldn't see if those were razor blades or they were needles. And I was like, but where'd she get the needles from? She was, they never said that she was like a junkie. Those razor blades. I couldn't figure. I was like, did she take pills? What the hell? Is this just 1961? That's all we know. She yeah. was dead. And Bert said, oh, Eddie, we, we just had drinks. Eddie, she came in here. And he beats the shit out of her. Oh, yeah. Okay, next scene, uh, we see Minnesota Fats and Bert. Eddie walks in. Bert looks scared. So Eddie says, I came to play pool, Fats. Fats goes, how much? And he says, $3,000 a game. Uh, Bet on me, Bert. I can't lose. Then he goes, how should I play that one, Bert? Should I play it safe? Uh, you know, uh, percentage players lose, too. How can I lose? I got to have character, too. I sure got character. I picked it up at the hotel room in Louisville. Ooh, sick burn. So it goes from a shot to Fat's face to Bert's face to Fat's face to Bert's face. 
And um, then they play, and Fats finally goes, I quit, Eddie. I can't beat you. That was what he wanted all along. And then he says to Bert, you owe me money. You owe me half. And Bert says, what if I don't pay? No, Ma. Bert says that he owes. Bert says that to <gasps> Paul. Bert says it to, to Paul. He you was like, owe yeah, me money. Because he won. So he was like, you money. owe me money. And he was like, well, how much do I owe you? And he's like, you owe me half of it. And he's like, what? I thought that it was what happened to the 70. It's gone down from 75 to 50. And Bert was like, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. And he and then, you know, tell him what Eddie says. Eddie goes, uh, well, no, Bert goes. Uh, oh, no, Eddie goes, uh, am I going to get my thing? My thumbs broken again. My fingers, my right arm. You yeah. figure you still you're still my manager. Because those guys that, that broke his arm, that Ma thought gang raped him, really, they were, um, what's his face, his men. They were Bert's he men. He set them up. Yep. Then Paul says, we really stuck the knife in her, didn't we, Bert? Then we twisted it. I loved her, Bert. I traded her in for a pool game. You're the loser because you're dead inside and the price is too high. If I take it, she never lived and she never died. Tell your boys to kill me. Yeah, he said he says, I'm going to walk out of here. And if I'm going to go into a pool hall, you better tell your boys not to break my thumb. They better do the whole thing. They better go all the way. They better kill me because if they don't, I'm going to put my, myself back together piece by piece. And I'm going to come back in here and I'm going to kill you. And Bert says, all right, all right, Eddie, but just don't ever walk into any big-time pool hall again. Fats, and, and he says, to, and Paul says to Fat Man, you shoot a great game of pool. And Fat says, so do you, Eddie. Mm. The end. There you have it. That is far, the hustler. Far darker than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me too. I thought that I had seen it, but I was like, maybe I hadn't. So I saw it, but I don't remember any of the dark stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember watching Paul Newman. Okay. In the okay. pool. Um, so I have a tally. My POC tally is 12. Okay, now, that sounds about right. There were no lines of dialogue. Nope. Every, I think with the exception of, I think there was like a family at the bus station. Yeah, a man and three kids. There's a fa yeah, a man and three kids at the bus station. I think there was like two guys in line at the track in Louisville. Mm -hmm. Everyone else was a servant waiting on white people. Right. And One person had a name though. Henry had a name. Henry, but Henry was crippled. Yeah, he was. And he was a black man who was crippled and was zero threat to anyone. Right. So everyone was in the background. They, I think Henry was maybe the only one that anyone looked at. They were uh, seen and not heard. I was like, okay, well, they have black people in this, but it's all subs in very subservient roles. Exactly. Thank you, 1961. 
Yeah, make America great again. Yeah. Okay, so all uh, I had different trivias on this. Many of the sites said all of the pool shots, except that extravagant one at the, the beginning, shot. were shot by Paul and um, Jackie Gleason. Mm -hmm. And some said most of them were shot by Paul and Jackie Gleason. Well, you could, I mean, the film doesn't lie. There are shots where, because when I first started watching, I was like, are they, are they shooting pool? And it's a long shot. You yeah. see it from start to finish. Uh, it's like, no, Paul Newman hit that shot. He did. Not taking away his shot. Okay. So I already told you how Paul was so good looking that Piper Laurie couldn't look at him at first. Mm -hmm. Tony Curtis was offered the role. Oh, interesting. But he was doing another movie at the time. And when when George C. Scott whispered in Piper Laurie's ear, mm -hmm. she never heard what he whispered. It was too low. But she she chose to react only by throwing the drink and not saying anything because she felt whatever our imaginations came up with would be better than oh, any reply she could make. Very true. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of it was shot in the Seelbach Hotel in Louisville. Mm. Piper Laurie actually hung out in a Greyhound terminal just to get the feel of the bus station. Paul Newman accepted the role after only reading half of the script. Well, I had that his agent turned it down because he was set to star in some movie with, uh, oh, what's her name? Yeah, oh, Elizabeth you know, Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. And Bobby Darren was going to be the hustler. Yeah. And then because Cleopatra ran so long, she had to leave. That movie never happened, the one that was going to be with Paul Newman. So he was available, and they were like, oh, Bobby Darren, take a hike. Paul Newman's in this. And he didn't know it until... And, like, nobody even called him to tell him, oh, by the way, Paul Newman's doing the part, you're not. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. So... It, it was also... The book was also optioned, like, several times at one point. Sinatra had the rights to it, I think. Oh, it said Sinatra opined, and I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And then. <gasps> Optioned. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't opined. Oh, I am so embarrassed right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Piper Laurie, she didn't do. <laughs> that really tickled you. <laughs> Piper Laurie didn't do a film for 15 years um, to focus on raising her kid and then she returned with Carrie and uh, oh Gleason and Sinatra would play they, they became friendly and so they would play pool and at one point because um, Jackie Gleason was better at pool than Paul Newman was and then Paul Newman started feeling himself so he they did a 50 game, a $50 game bet and Gleason. And, and so I think Paul Newman started and he was just like going crazy and stuff. And then he faltered and Gleason just like wiped the floor with him. And so Gleason ended up winning. And the next day, Paul Newman uh, showed up with 5,000 pennies. 
<laughs> I was like, here's your money. He um, paid his debt. Yeah, he pays his debt. It was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. It received nine Academy Awards. The film won two. It won Best Art Direction, Set Direction, and Best Black and White. Oh, Best Set Direction, Black and White. And it won Best Cinematography, Black and White. It was also nominated for Best Picture. Paul Newman was nominated for Best Actor. Uh, Jackie Gleason and George C. Scott were both nominated for Best Actor in in a Supporting Role. George C. Scott refused the nomination. Uh, Piper Laurie was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Rawson received nominations for Best Director and also with Carol for Best Screenwriting, Best Screenplay based on material from another medium. And so for Best Picture, that year, the 1962 Academy Awards, you had, it was The Hustler, Judgment at Nuremberg, Guns of Navarone, Fanny, and West Side Story. And West Side Story won. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good list of movies that it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know? How many times have I watched The Guns of Navarone? I I have not seen it ever. I used to watch it with my daddy. Ah. We're going to have to do that one. All right. Um, I heard that it's the first time Bastard was said in a movie. Oh, there's some... At the beginning, what does he say? He says, who can... Oh, when they're doing the first hustle in the opening of the movie, and he's like, we gotta go to the convention. And he goes, what the flagpole does anybody care about a convention? <laughs> I laughed out loud. I was like, man, what the flagpole indeed. Now, I did hear, because George C. Scott and Jackie Gleason were both nominated for Supporting Actor, mm-hmm. that George C. Scott was kind of miffed about it. Oh, and that's why he refused it? Well, he said that he felt that Paul Newman's acting in this movie was, like, okay. But that he really he really did a good job in HUD. Oh. Yeah. Was HUD before this? I don't know. Was George, I, George C. Scott I, was just... I think at this point, George C. Scott was in full, like, guys, I'm Patton. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was probably positioning himself for the to play Patton in just real life. Just, I'm a crank. Yeah. Guys, I need to play this role. I'm That's Patton. how I felt. Well, as always, it was two hours of Paul Newman, and that, that does not fail to impress. Ah, Get ready for September. September, Paul Newman month. Now, before we end this and start talking about next week's movie, which I have picked. Oh, yes. We need to let listeners know, and two of our our most um, honored listeners were loyal. with us. I would say loyal. Loyal. Were with us when we went to see Hamilton. Oh, yes. 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 Alexander Hamilton. Oh my God, it was so good. So this whole week, I've been reading my friend, my dear Hamilton, which is uh, historical novel, historical fiction 
uh, from Eliza Hamilton's side of everything. Who is the one that wrote his story? Yeah, she she made sure his story was told. The orphans. Last night and this morning, I've been crying at the end of that. So um, we just wanted to send a shout out to that because that was so... Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was fantastic to be in the room where it happened. It was. It was. Wow. I could see it again, and I I feel lucky to have seen it twice. I saw it once, and it was fantastic. I I said, wow, this was well done. Uh, The hype was well worth every bit of hypeness. Yes. Yes, and I I knew how it ended, so I was like, oh man, the second half is going to get real sad real quick. Yeah. I didn't cry as much the second time I saw it as I did the first, but I cried way more reading the book. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I cried because I knew. I, uh... Probably more. Well, the first time, <laughs> the first time that I listened to the whole thing, I was at work, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I did not know that this turned like this." <laughs> so I was like, "I gotta go to the bathroom." <laughs> and I'm just in the bathroom. I gotta get myself together. I'm just listening to it in the bathroom, just crying like, "Oh, he, he, she built an orphanage in his name." <laughs> I know. Yeah. <sighs> They're like, what's wrong uh, with you? I'm like, Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton. It's damn Hamilton. <laughs> Why are duels are so dumb? My God. Okay. And because of that, we're going to go for a comedy next week. Oh. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing this one coming. Can I have a clue? I want to see if I can guess it. Um, I think it's from the 60s. Oh, from a comedy sure. from the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got we've got uh, one of our faves, Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon. Mm-hmm. In a comedy from the sixties. And the sister of someone with whom you shared Ma, a this brief isn't a comedy <laughs> moment in time. The apartment is not a comedy. It's not? <laughs> no. It's one of those movies where they're like, oh, yeah, they say that it's a comedy, and you watch it, and you're like, it's that Billy is Wilder. not a comedy. <laughs> no. It's not, it's not a comedy. It's a fantastic movie, but it is, I mean, Jack Lemmon makes, like, it, it it's it's not the jerk. Like it's not National Lampoon any of the National Lampoon films. It's like it's like how people oh man, what would be a movie that they would say like, oh yeah, it's a comedy, but then you're like, huh. Like Forrest Gump is like Forrest Gump a comedy? You're like, well, it's got some laugh it's got some laugh moments. <laughs> There's some but- laughs in it, but it turns dark. Well, I mean, I could say something about one of the characters. <laughs> just to, to, I mean, if you really think about it, the name of it is The Apartment. <laughs> and I know why it's called The Apartment. Yeah. I, understand. I know that. I've done that much research. But, okay. Well, we're going to watch it anyway. Oh, and we're going to find out together, listeners. 
I just think that's fun. I was like, the apartment is a cop. But it, you know what? It does show up on list as a comedy. That's one of those movies where, yeah, Billy Wilder, they're like, oh, the apartment, it's funny. And I watched it and I was like, I really enjoyed this movie, but it was not, I would not classify this as a comedy. Like Osage County, that Osage County movie with Meryl Streep and Julia Roberts. I never watched it because you said it was horrible. Because it was classified as a comedy and there wasn't a funny thing in it. It was it was a patriarchal woman. Can you say ma- matriarchal woman? But she was horrible to her family. Well, maybe it's like some people think that that's like, was she like horrible in a funny way? Like, oh, like Lucille Bluth? Lucille Bluth is horrible to her family, but she is hilarious. Yeah, she is. It's totally not the same thing. Ah. Okay, well, listeners, we're going to find out together about the apartment. I mean, you're going to laugh because Jack Lemon is... He's a bumbling silly self, yeah, right? Yeah, he's just full on Jack Lemon, but then it's like, oh man. The trailer showed a really funny part. Ah oh, man, Shirley MacLaine is what. Man, she's gonna. Well, I've said too much. I've said too much at this point. Okay. Okay. It's one of, but it's one of those great movies. It's like, like you know, like Cameron Crowe, like. Uh, you know, like the Cameron Crow movies when he was like really in his heyday, like Jerry Maguire. He would have really funny moments. Okay. But you're, it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not a comedy. Okay. I mean, it's not Blazing <laughs> well, Saddles. Well, thank you for warning our listeners. <laughs> they're, they're thinking that we're going to watch Blazing Saddles and you, you're, you're like, yeah, the apartment side splitting. And they're, oh, they're, they'll be mad. I'm just saving you some friendship. Okay. <laughs> And again, listeners, we'd love to know. We did have somebody give us a shout out at Christmas. They want to hear us do, um, you know, you know, that what? one with uh, Jimmy Stewart. It's a wonderful world. It's a wonderful life. Oh, it's a wonderful life. So we've had a shout out for that at Christmas time. Well, we'll have to remember. Okay. Christmas time. I mean, first we got to get through uh, Paul Newman Appreciation Month. Oh, that's not going to be difficult. Paul Newman Appreciation Month. Okay. Well, that's it. Which one of us is going to choose Road to Perdition? (laughs) (laughs) That's a comedy. Oh, he was in that too. That's the joke, Ma. He didn't have a big part in that. I think that was his last movie. Oh... Did he ever get an Oscar? Paul Newman? I mean, sure, he had to have. Probably for the verdict, but let's look. No, Paul I think maybe the color of money. Newman. Wikipedia. Or else one of those, you know, Life Achievement Award ones. Oh, he went to Yale. Smart and Gorge? Yes. And they oh, say he, he did. He so, won for the color of money. There you go. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up and see that acceptance speech. Did he show up? Color. Did he even show up for that? Or was, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he did. Was that at the time when, when people were having like Native Americans accepting their awards and whatnot? That was Marlon Brando. Oh. 
I don't know. Does the I I know the color of money was in the eighties, but sometimes I just lump in them into the seventies, and I'm like, yeah. those were some crazy times. Like if anybody, if anybody is ever feeling like like these times now are pretty crazy, but if you want to make yourself feel better, just go back and watch CNN's the seventies and just be like, my God, <laughs> the seventies were insane. I remember them quite fondly. Well. Maybe you weren't paying attention because I was, you know what? I was paying attention to me and life was good for me. Yeah. In the 70s. There were like serial killers everywhere. Yeah. There was like gases, ga- assassinations. Planes yeah. were just being blown up out of the sky. True. People were poisoning like aspirin bottles and whatnot. Tylenol. Yeah. Tylenol. Yeah. Um, what like I mentioned that you had to like ration gas and stuff. Yes, we did. Um, when you were in the airplane, people were just smoking everywhere. And all of that is better than Trump's America. <laughs> all of it. I, <laughs> really, I, it there's was. there was like a lot of craziness. Like kids were just you. You just let your kids go outside, and they were just be, like just murdered. Jonestown? I mean, Jonestown is crazy. It was. That's it was. nuts. There was a lot of crazy stuff. And again, like, I say what? it was better than Trump's America. Well, yeah, but I'm still, I'm saying, like, don't sleep on the 70s. There was some batshit craziness. It was. It was. It's true. Like, just straight up just crazy people i mean john lennon gets shot there's just like craziness and you know what you could throw the 60s into there too because there was some crazy shit in the 60s too yep my goodness gracious that's why your mama is crazy today (laughs) i i guess so i'm like those were my formative years i'm like my gosh can you imagine like oh all right it's april and martin luther king gets shot that would be crazy because five years earlier john f kennedy got shot that was crazy and then you're like oh it's august now and robert kennedy got shot what that's nuts and then yep. in the 70s didn't, or was it in the 60s that Chippoquiddick or whatever, Chappaquiddick happened? That was nuts. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and everybody was like, well, his, all his brothers got killed, so let's just let him slide on this. Yeah. And they're like, And then hey. at the beach I read Fairy Tale Interrupted, which was... Um, John Kennedy Jr.'s story. Oh, I mean, that was in the 90s, and that was just him being a pilot. Okay, well, we have to let our listeners go. Okay. I'm just saying, there was, like, a lot of... Because the 60s, I feel like, gets covered, but a lot of times in history classes, the seven nobody gets to the 70s. Ted Bundy? Like, there's a lot of crazy... Son of Sam... A lot of craziness happened in the 70s. Thank you, listeners. And we will see you next week for that comedy, <laughs> The Apartment. Bye. Bye.